Welcome to episode three of the Board Shorts podcast, where I share information and musings on life in the boardroom in 30 minutes or less. My name is Lisa Cook, and I'm the founder and managing director of Get On Board Australia, an online resource for new and aspiring company directors and board members. At Get On Board, we deliver information, tools, and education to help you survive and thrive in the boardroom. And you can find us at getonboardaustralia.com.au. Today, I actually have a guest on the podcast, and I'm talking with Noelle Verma from PwC about innovation in the boardroom. Noelle is a senior manager in PwC's growth and advisory team, helping to support companies grow and scale their business whilst navigating the pitfalls that fast-growing companies commonly encounter. He also has a background in the research and development tax incentive program, so he finds you money. Great to be here. Fantastic. Let's get into questions. We do only have 30 minutes, so let's start with the basic. Why does innovation need to be a boardroom conversation? Well, I think innovation needs to be a conversation for, for any board to consider um, that cares about the future and cares about its customer base, which really should be all boards. Um, in, in short, I think the reason why it's a, a very important topic of conversation for the boards is that the world's getting smaller and smaller, it's moving faster and faster, and, and consumers are having more choice. Uh, barriers to entry in particular markets are getting smaller. So there isn't time to just sit still launch a product or a service and, and wait for 10 years to be a leader in the market. You've got to be consistently innovating uh, on, a, on a daily, monthly, yearly basis in order to stay ahead of the pack. And, and the pace of, of change these days is so much faster than it was 10 years ago, even five years ago. And so I think there's no place to hide. So if you're not talking about innovation and disruption and moving your, your company, whether it's a uh, a, a large business, a small business, a not-for-profit forward, um, you're going to go out of business pretty soon. Mm. So I want to take a step back. We probably should have started with this question, but how do you define innovation? To me, innovation is really about bringing value to... I'll, I'll talk in a commercial context here. It's about bringing value to your customers, right, in a new way. So, you know, I think a, a great quote that I had from uh, Sheldon Allison, a, a Adelson, who's one of the richest men in the world, he said, just do things in life differently the way others don't do. Change the status quo. And I think if you think about innovation through that lens of changing the status quo, um, it, it's, a, it's a helpful way to, to think of it. So innovation really just boils down to meeting people's needs and bringing them uh, new value in ways that they haven't experienced before. Um, yeah, we see examples of this in, in a whole range of contexts, you know, from people who use waste materials to create new products, uh, people who deliver services in completely new ways that no one's thought before. Um, when, you, when you identify a problem, so, so often there's opportunity in that problem. That's actually a pain point. And if you're scratching your own itch on that problem, if you're actually solving a problem for yourself, uh, then I think you're likely to be solving that problem for other people too. Such a simple way to put it. So in layman's terms, do we mean innovation is always that substantial change to business, that big step change that organisations can go through, or is it more of a continuous improvement type approach of ye old days that we've done for years? Or is it a bit of both? 
Yeah, I think I think it can be both. Look, you, you can have uh, obviously large scale innovation uh, and, and disruption. You know, you can invent the next Google or the next Airbnb, and and that's that's great. Um, you, you know, Henry Ford is is often quoted as as saying. Uh, uh, you know, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, right? Yes. He, he completely changed the game when it came to uh, motor cars and transportation. So, so I think there's that huge uh, step-scale innovation change. But, but for many companies, and, and if I think about what's innovation about, bringing change, bringing value to other people, uh, but, but being successful along the way, making your business or your not-for-profit or your um, charity that you're running and doing things in an innovative way. It's about making you successful, right, and, and meeting needs. So very often you can just tweak something a little bit and you can have those incremental changes. And it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, I say innovation is a discipline. It's a process that you need to work through. And, and if you don't make changes one, two, and three, very often the realisations that come to you at, at changes five, six, and seven, uh, you know, the, the real value gets added at step seven. But if you don't start by making the incremental changes along the way, you miss out on, on the, big, the big changes. Yeah, right. Good point. So a lot of our listeners and people that come to get on board are from smaller organisations like not-for-profits and family businesses. So how would those type of organisations, if we think um, in that context of small workforces, reduced uh, resources that they can call on, how do they adopt an innovation mindset or focus? Yeah, in, in, in terms of the, the mindset, I think there's a, there's a couple of things. Firstly, you've got to be open and willing to learn, right? So you've got, to, you've got to come to an innovation conversation by saying, look, I actually don't know what the answers are here. I actually don't know how we're going to be able to drive change forward because I think if you, if you come to that with the, with the mindset of an, I know the answers, well, you're just going to look for confirmation bias. So definitely having a, an open mindset. I think the other thing is, is observation is really key. So, so you can do, you know, I, I would start my innovation process very, very early with um, just observing your customers, just observing your clients or um, people on the street or the, the members that you serve in your, in your organisation and, and actually just seeing what the problems are, not, not putting a judgement lens on that. So <clears throat> I think that's, that's really imp important there. But, but the other thing is, you know, you talked about um, small businesses, people with not large workforces, people with... Um, uh, you know, maybe limited resources. Um, and I don't think that to start on innovation, it needs to be expensive, right? So if I, if I think of developing an MVP, um, you know, obviously there's that, that, that postulation. What is an MVP, did you say? Sorry, uh, my, I should have explained that. Uh, a minimum viable product, right? right? So, so that is a, the, the sort of the core elements, the skeleton outline of a, of a product that could work, that you could show to a, a, a potential target or customer um, to say, well, do you actually like this? Does this actually help? Um, and that does, you don't need to spend thousands and thousands of dollars or millions of dollars on that. You can actually make a, a really simple version of that up front to, to demonstrate the concept. Um, like a prototype. Like a prototype. And, and, and I think that's it. And then get customer feedback. So this is the whole point around um, observing what people's problems are. Um, you might then hypothesise what, what the issue is. Go away and make something really clearly. 
uh, and simply and cheaply, uh, and then go and test it in the market. So it, you don't have to have huge capital costs, huge investments of time and labour. Um, that's that's really simple. I mean, you could go and stand on it. If you don't know what, what your customers are thinking, you go and stand on a street corner with a bowl of fantails and just ask for feedback. Um, it, it's really simple, right? But you've got to put yourself out there. Um, and that kind of leads into one of the other points. So I, I would say a willingness, a, a mindset of permission to fail. Mm. I think you've got to be willing to fail uh, along the way on this journey. And so, you know, if I think about that, a lot of people uh, are not comfortable with that, are not comfortable with getting things wrong. Uh, if you're going to go down the path on an innovation journey, you need to know there's, there's almost a certain number of failures that you need to have along the way before you're successful. Mm. And so rather than approaching failure as a bad thing, you, you're just ticking them off the list before you actually get to the nugget of gold at the end. Mm, there was something about uh, Edison and his light bulb invention. That's right. So I... finding, what, 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb? Exactly, exactly. And, yeah. and that's, the, that's the exact concept. So not being afraid of that. Uh, and, and I think having that, that permission for yourself and for the people that you work with that not everything's going to work out and, and that's okay. Mm, difficult though. Difficult. Simple, Dif- not easy. It's simple, not easy. That's right. But that's why we're here to, to encourage people, you know, I, I think to think like that. You, you only need to understand the concept once and it could change the way you operate forever. Mm, huge, huge. So I want to divert a little. We have a question from one of our listeners via LinkedIn and Heather from Adelaide is asking uh, that she'd be interested in how innovation at a board level relates to innovation within the organisation. Which should come first? Now, she's saying that she's seen progress for really innovative organisations hampered by more traditional and probably conservative boards, whereas she's also seen innovative boards moving too fast for the organisation. Where should we, probably as a board member, mm. uh, but having consideration for the organisation, where should that all start? Yeah, great great question, Heather. Uh, for me, I would, I would start with the board. Tackle, tackle it from the top. If you've got a great, uh, let me take an example. If you've got a great scientist or a great engineer in your company who can come up with a whole bunch of ideas and push them up to management and to the board level, but they get killed every time, it might happen once, it might happen twice, but it won't happen a third time. And, and so I think let's, let's work from the top. You've got to get the leadership piece at the board right, that mindset, that culture of, of innovation, of being, being willing to fail, um, and that has to come from the top down throughout the organisation. So I would absolutely um, start there and, and get the board to understand its appetite for change, for risk, for willingness to alter the status quo, um, and then and then sort of uh, you know let that flow down through the organisation because I think if you if you do it the other way round you'll get people who who put up great ideas and they get knackered. It, your innovation's not going to go very mm. very fast. So definitely for me, leadership at the board level has to be key. Mm. But but I take Heather's point around you know some boards can be too fast and too quick and, and I've seen that too with with some clients you know, very often you know the the the, the key di- managing director will be going from one project to the next to the next and then we're going to do this and that I, I think that's that's really important as I said innovation is a discipline so you can't just simply launch an idea launch a product and then leave it you've actually got to follow through on that because there'll be subsequent 
uh, iterations that, that you've got to work through and to be successful, which will then feed into the next idea and the next one. So um, once again, you, you've got to communicate and you've got to bring people along the journey. I think people misunderstand how much uh, we're in a people game. Mm. Right, and and if you're at the at the board level and you're just skipping around from from one thing to the next to the next, you're actually not bringing the people underneath you in the organisation along for the ride, and that's that's key. Mm. I, I, as you're talking, I'm getting flashbacks to change management programs. I feel like there's huge similarities because innovation is change, and so people tend to not like change and struggle with adapting and coming along with change, and so maybe it's part adopting that change management mindset to make sure you're bringing that team with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a good analogy for it. We've talked about two main things, one being the mindset of the directors and the board and second about that whole change management type of process. What else could the directors and a board do to support innovation within and throughout the organisation? Yeah, so I think I think you know we've we've talked about culture, culture being key. It's it's uh, you know that that permission to fail piece, but also um, I, I think you know as a, as a part of that, you've got to let innovation flow through the organisation. So sometimes, just on this point, I've I've seen organisations that have a little R and D team that sits off to the side and. We don't really know what they do, but let them go and do their sciencey thing. Um, no, no, no. Innovation is is how we do our work. It's not a team that sits off to the side. So that's that's that leadership piece to flow down through the organisation. But but from a board level, I also think you need to set a clear vision. Um, you you may not know exactly how you're going to get there, but you need to know where you're going. Um, and that, you know, once again, it ties into the people piece. But if the, if the board is not clear, the CEO will not be clear, and then all of the other people down the ranking chain will not be clear on where you want to be. So you need to say, look, we want to do, we, we want to deliver X. We want to revolutionise the way we deliver healthcare in the, you know, uh, aged care sector. Or we want to, we, you know, and, and obviously you'd be a little more specific than that, but, but that's the kind of vision that will then drive your... Um, the purpose throughout the organisation. So I think that's that's really key. And, and, you know, on the vision piece, I think for young and aspiring directors, people who um, maybe haven't had years and years of, of business acumen and who are stepping up into the boardroom for the first time, I think, uh, you know, I would focus on bringing insights to the board. Yeah. So on that vision piece, you know, you can bring an insight. Uh, you may not have all the business acumen, um, that, that others have, and that's that's fine. But very often, you have, as an outsider, a very different perspective that can that can help shape the conversation. And particularly at that vision space, it's just that that different perspective that I think you can bring. Um, so don't be, you know, I'd encourage people not to feel fearful, especially if you're a younger person stepping into a boardroom that's got a lot of grey hair in it. Um, don't be fearful, but just focus on bringing that key key insight or two that can help shape the vision for the future. Yeah, good advice. What do you see in your job that holds people and organisations back in relation to innovation? Well, I think not knowing where to start is one. Um, you know, people, people are like, look, I know I need to do something. I, I'm just not really sure what. 
Um, and so one of the things that, that I would encourage, there are a lot of materials out there. There are, there are innovation companies you can talk to, um, consulting houses. There are lots of free and low-cost materials in, in startup hubs and accelerators. And, uh, you, you know, I, I think you've got to be willing to put yourself out there. So, so not knowing where to start is, is a big problem. Um, so, you know, following on from that, I think cost. I think people think that it has to be expensive, and it, it doesn't. Uh, once again, innovation is about bringing value to the customers uh, and, and the stakeholders that you have in your organisation, the people that you serve uh, at the, you know, from the board level down. And I think one of the things is people are not close enough to their, to their customers or their stakeholders. Do we actually know what they think? Do we actually know what their, uh, what their pain points are, um, what they would be willing to pay for? Um, uh, you know, and, and I think that's the, that's the problem. Um, that, so, you know, if, you, if you're not sure where to start, just go and ask questions. Just observe. Just listen. Um, and, and I think from that you'll get, a lot of, you'll get a lot of valuable insight and then you can go down that process of, um, you know, making, making uh, small incremental changes to start with and then build them up bigger and bigger as you go. Um, so, you know, those are two key things. I think uh, we've touched on fear of failure. I think also... Fear of, of humiliation. Um, there's often a brand or an identity of you know what if we take this to the market and we get it wrong, um, which is which is a which is a, a very valid concern. Um, I, I think you can put some fences and some safeguards around your your innovation process through that so that you're not betting the whole house on one idea. Um, but once again, it's about being close to your to your customers. Look, we're trying this. Thing. Mm. We're trying to deliver something uh, in a new way to you. Is that something you'd be interested to? So you can be very open and transparent about about that. I think those are the types of things that that hold hold people back um, generally. So yeah. mm. from my experience, I've I've seen that customers actually really like uh, and really get into and enjoy being approached by an organisation to test out new things and yep. to talk about their experience from that. It, it, leads to a better service or a better product that they're getting, they're really excited to do it. So, yeah, don't be afraid to ask. Absolutely. You'll be amazed how much uh, valuable feedback people will give you uh, simply by asking. Yeah, it's mm. incredible. So moving on, we have another question from LinkedIn. Your friend Andrew from Sydney has G'day, asked. <laughs> Here's a question on autonomous AI for you. Commentators increasingly point to technology as a driver for the current stagnation in wages growth. Do you foresee boards having to take a position on even greater workforce disruption as AI becomes more evident in both the blue and white collar work white collar work environments? Mm. Remember Moore's law doubling every eighteen months. Noel, what is Moore's law? <sighs> Moore's law. Well, uh, that, that's that's the the law that basically says that um, um, it, we, with innovation and with technology advancement, um, it, uh, the, the the capacity at, of of a technology will double every eighteen months. So uh, its its output, its capability will double every eighteen months. So if you had something that goes at hundred miles an hour, uh, in eighteen months it would be going at two hundred miles an hour, and then in another eighteen months it would be going at four hundred miles an hour. As a, very simple example. Um, and the cost of that will, will actually decrease along the way. So you're getting greater output for lesser cost. We like that? We, we absolutely like that. It, it, it's a really interesting question, uh, Andrew, and I think you could take this in, in so many different ways. There's a, there's a, a workforce participation piece here. There's obviously the, the economic impact uh, of it. 
It's interesting that you've taken it in that in the question in that direction, Andrew. I, I, I see a lot of this in relation to security concerns around autonomous AI. So if if we have uh, a, a robot, sorry, and autonomous artificial intelligence, just to be clear, there's, so there's artificial intelligence. I think what a lot of people are concerned about is if these machines are completely autonomous and they start to think for themselves. So not only can they learn by themselves, they're then free to deploy that learning however they choose. Mm. That's the Terminator scenario, right? Yeah, scary concept. <laughs> scary concept. So I think, I think you'll see, to be honest, I think you'll see a lot of regulation of this space in, in the future. But as it relates to... Um, jobs of the future, I think what, what you'll find is uh, a lot of jobs will be hollowed out. I don't necessarily think that the white and blue collar distinction really applies anymore. Uh, I think those those jobs, uh, yeah, we're going to see disruption across both those sectors and it, it, we're going to see a breaking down of, of that distinction. But uh, I think what we're going to need is the real challenge here is going to be upskilling people. So mm -hmm. we now have more data. We now have machines and computers that can do more uh, in real time, but we're never going to lose completely the personal touch, um, and we're going to need people to be upskilled in order to um, deploy the the machines in different ways. So I think that's a that's something that's that's key. Boards will definitely have to take a position on it for their particular organisation. There'll be key risk issues that come with AI and potentially autonomous AI as we go into the future. Um, but I think what you're going to find is you're going to find the trade-off between saving labour cost uh, and delivering value service, that's the increased value to, to clients, that's fine, versus actually then having the skills gap to maintain your, your artificial intelligence machines mm -hmm. as they... Uh, uh, as, as, as an organisation, they become your employees effectively. So who's actually going to maintain them? That's going to be key. Mm -hmm. I also, on a more simplistic analysis of this question that Andrew has asked was considering more around uh, the move to workers becoming more self-employed and just engaging with organisations as and when they're needed and organisations really taking advantage of not having to employ people but rather contract out on short-term or medium-term type things which has huge benefits for the organisation, is a cost saver as well. You don't need the office space. People can work from anywhere. So really that gig economy in that as well. Yep. I know it doesn't address the AI side of things, but I, I, I see that in this question as well. Yeah, and I think you know the, the interesting point is we're going to see a lot more of the fragmentation of the labour market in, in that way. Interesting whether it will actually deliver... Uh, wages growth or a wages decline for people. So, you know, once once it becomes compartmentalised, I'm not going to work a 40-hour week for you anymore, but I might choose to work five hours for you this week and 26 hours for you next week and three hours for you the week after. Um, I think what we're going to find is those short-term peaks, if you average it out, I think we're actually going to see a slight decline in, in wages growth. Um, but what we're going to see is on-demand um, you'll find people who, who are selling their services and their labour will be able to get higher, if I can call them spot prices or peak prices in that week, um, but you're not going to get the regularity of, of those wages across the year. And so I think that's going to throw up a real problem for people. Um, but what it will do is it'll, it'll allow companies to deploy resources really, really quickly mm. on a particular project, either it's a, a client project or it's an innovation project that they've got, where there's a very short time horizon for them to be a market leader. You can actually get paid a premium and people will get paid a premium to work on those projects with short turnaround time mm. frames. So I think that's encouraging. 
Um, but I, I, I do think on, on, on a 52-week year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way people earn their income and, and that's going to have consequences for them and their families. Yeah, definitely. Um, the country as a whole, I can see. Don't go down that rabbit hole, though. No, let's... <laughs> Not a conversation for today. So to wrap it all up, Noelle, what is one thing that our listeners can take away and do now in relation to innovation on their board and in their organisation? Courage to take... You know, I think it was Gandhi that said the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And, and you know, we've talked about fear of failure. We've talked about doing things cheaply. We've talked about being close to our customers. These are things they're not going to, you're not going to um, ruin the organisation into the ground by taking a, a small step. But it's that first step that I think people need to, uh, need to take and step out in faith and back themselves as well. Back them and their people. You'll be uh, amazed at, at the actual results you can get from trusting yourself and the people around you. So if, if there's one thing I could take away, it is, it is absolutely have that confidence to start uh, and, and you'll be rewarded into the future. Mm, definitely. I see it as good risk management. Uh, I think the risks of not doing anything far outweigh the risks of taking that first step, as you said. Exactly. And I think that's, that's something people don't appreciate. Standing still is, is, is a risk in itself. Yeah, no longer an option. In business, any business. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Noel. Uh, it's been a great conversation. If people want to reach out to you to talk with you further, where can they find you? Uh, love to connect with people on LinkedIn, so please uh, hit me up on there, uh, Noel Verma, um, or otherwise drop me an email at noel.verma at gmail.com. Um, love to continue the conversation with you there. Fantastic. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at getonboardaustralia.com.au forward slash subscribe.